I'm Duncan McLeod, and this is Tech Central. We're chatting now to Paul Comer. He's an executive from WAPA, the Wireless Access Providers Association. Paul, good to see you. Welcome to the podcast. Um, good afternoon, Duncan. Glad to be here. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for making the time. Now, we're going, we're going to talk something very interesting today. We're going to talk about the 6 gigahertz band. Uh, we've just been through a spectrum licensing process in South Africa, uh, which did not involve this band at all. And... Uh, WAPA, in fact, put out a very interesting statement, I think it was last week now, uh, in, which it, um, in which it made some strong comments about how this band should be utilized and opened up uh, for Wi-Fi uh, purposes in South Africa. So we want, I want to delve into that in some, some detail, Paul, during this podcast, and I'm really looking forward to the discussion. But before we go there, WAPA, the Wireless Access Providers Association, who do you represent, um, how big is the organization, and what do you do? Okay, um, WAPA was formed in 2006 um, primarily to mm -hmm. look after the best interests of the wireless access providers community i.e the wisps in in south africa and has grown to a state now we have approximately 250 members of which uh, around yeah. 200 are licensed wireless providers offering um, fixed wireless broadband, um, Wi-Fi hotspots, and a variety of other services. As WAPA, we look after our member base and take care of um, regulatory issues and problems as and when it casts things. We interface with them on a regular basis with regional events around the country where we bring our sponsors, our vendor sponsors, showing them the latest in technology and solutions. We provide them with free training on a um, secure portal on our website. And we also have um, on our website an interface where the general public can make a request for coverage anywhere in South Africa. And these requests are distributed amongst our members of those who can access those areas to offer them services. So all in all, WEPA is things, and we do have a code of best practice that they must conform to. So we are not in a situation to 100% um, police the situation out there, but it is we are holding their hands in uh, everything from regulatory budding to keep their businesses strong, make them competitive, and understand the emerging markets that are happening. In okay. a nutshell, that is WEPA. Okay, great stuff. Great stuff. So WAPA put out the statement last week about the 6 gigahertz uh, band, uh, which I previously have not looked at in any sort of detail. Um, obviously, during the recent Spectrum auction, it was, it was lower bands that were being made available. I think the highest frequency band in the, in the auction was 3.5 gigahertz or 3,500 megahertz, which has been um, licensed now to operators to deploy, or they will use it to deploy, 5G services and of course um, other bands were made available as well but in lower frequencies we're talking about a, a higher frequency here still in what they term the mid-band uh, frequencies but um, but above what was licensed recently by CASA. Now just take us through this uh, statement that WAPA issued last week you said that uh, the 6 gigahertz band and there's a big chunk of spectrum here uh, I think you, you mentioned 1.2 gigahertz of it or 1200 megahertz yeah. of spectrum big chunk uh, should be made available uh, uh, to um, on an unlicensed basis, is that the correct terminology? What exactly um, are, is WAPA looking for here and why? Okay, um, some history on the, the 6 gigahertz band or Wi-Fi 6E 
as it is known, um, mm -hmm. um, which is not to be confused with Wi-Fi 6, which is just a Wi-Fi protocol. Wi-Fi 6E represents, as you said, an entire 1.2 gigahertz of spectrum from 5.925 to all the way to 7.125. Uh, it's 1.2 gigahertz. Um, split into two bands, which I will bring. Its history comes from, uh, I think, 2020, when the African Telecommunications Union published we should look um, at this band and open it in unlicensed spectrum in the same way that we already have um, unlicensed spectrum available in sections of 5.8 gigahertz and 2.4 and, and others. Mm. Yeah. Um, 5.8 is the uh, spectrum of choice used by most of our members and WISH for delivering fixed wireless broadband, but it's become enormously um, congested. Mm. Mm -hmm. and there's just not enough of it there for the growing services. So the ATU Africa Telecommunications Union suggested back then that it should be looked at of what the implications are of opening it up. Mm. Um, not so recently ago, the um, Telecom's advisory service and the work of Dr. Raoul Katz, working alongside the DSA, the Dynamic Spectrum Analyzer, were looking at what the commercials meant of opening this band and the commercial okay. revenue streams and potentials to South Africa. It wasn't only done as a research project in South Africa, it was done in Argentina and many other countries. Mm -hmm. And the information that came mm -hmm. back, that the, the total value of opening this band would be something in the region of $57 billion to South Africa over a 10-year period of time. Mm -hmm. um, starting off with the sort of slow um, the curve that accelerates towards the end of the 10 years. And mm -hmm. these numbers have been reflected um, in the other research that they've done with the DSA in, in other countries. So it's a huge, I think $57 million or something around the 990 billion Rand mark. Mm -hmm. um, that, that would be the benefit for the South Africa across you know, GDP, um, taxation, consumer surplus and everything. And it is broken down in a report that's now published, which is an 86-page report. Okay. Now, mm -hmm. what we're really doing is following the crest of a wave internationally that this band has been, I think, the first was to open up was the US, which opened the full band, followed by uh, Brazil, Canada, um, South Korea, and also Saudi Arabia. Mm. But we also have, a, when, when I say the full band, mm, that's the full 1.2 gigahertz. Um, right. The UK has opened the lower half up to 6.425 and are thinking and considering the second half. The second half, there is rumour that they are looking at it to declare it as AMT spectrum, which is being discussed prior to WRC uh, 23, um, which will be... IMT, of course, year. is mo for mobile spectrum, so that would be exclusive yes. use spectrum that's licensed so by the regulator. The, yes. The remainder of Europe 
um, virtually totally has opened the lower half of the band already. And mm -hmm. I'm, I'm sort of counting every day, um, just recently in the last week or so, Indonesia and a few others. I think the last count was 43 countries globally have, have opened this spectrum unlicensed for use. Mm -hmm. And um, it's very early days, but it's having dramatic effects. It's, as I say, it comes in the two bands, the lower half and the upper half that I said, and it also comes in, in two flavors. Mm -hmm. One is what they call very low power, okay? um, which is for indoor use for your um, conventional Wi-Fi routers, or you would know them. And right. because of the extremely low power and the attenuation that um, building structure creates, it's of no threat to interference in the outside world. And then we're looking at standard uh, power um, outputs, which will be used externally. And this is where there's been some um, feedback of how do we deal with this? And Dicasa itself has made comments about what we call um, protecting existing incumbents currently operating in, in the upper band outside, whether it be satellite astronomy and different fixed broadband services. Okay. Well, obviously this is a challenge, but we do have solutions so we can all live in harmony. Mm -hmm. What we have are the new equipment. It is capable of something called uh, AFC, which is automatic frequency coordination. And we have projects globally mm -hmm. on open platforms where effectively the existing incumbents users are programmed into a database mm -hmm. and we will be aware of where they are. So the power or positioning of use of that band will not interfere with them. An example of that is the Telecom Infra Project in the US, which is part of Facebook, Cisco, and Broadcom. That is available for use now. Um, so we have really got that one in the bag with, with protection. We can live in harmony together within, the, within those bands. Mm -hmm. um, what's happening? I mean, you mentioned the US has opened up this entire 1.2 gigahertz to Wi-Fi 6E, um, I, I presume that not all of that spectrum is 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 unutilized, um, or is it? I mean, uh, in these no, markets where they have as, opened this as up, as I up, say, all over the world, um, mm. uh, more so in the the upper half, mm, mm -hmm. um, the upper half of the Siski, um, it is utilized. There are incumbent users, hence and why we have to use the AFC, the automatic frequency coordination, just to steer clear of them. Um, it's not AFC, it's, it's, it's nothing new. Um, in the US as well, a while back, they opened up um, CBRS radio in 3.5 gigahertz. And again, the same thing that there were people in that band, um, mainly maritime, uh, Navy bands and things that had to be mm. protected. So they used a, a SAS system run by Google. Um, so it only allocated the channels to the third party users um, okay. if those channels were clean and not being used. Okay. okay. The same thing, of course, happened in South Africa. WAPA um, was the grantee of the $1 million of the um, USTDA. Uh, TV white space trials to assess the commercial viability of TV white space. 
obviously in the I same yes. way we had to use a geo um, location database because in the same band of white space was existing TV channels and users which we had to mm -hmm. avoid. Yeah. So that database provided yeah. with a set of clean channels that would not interfere with radio. So the principles are the same. It is dynamic spectrum allocation that you can all live in harmony without interfering with each other. Hmm? So mm -hmm. it really mm -hmm. will have no impact on the incumbent users. And, you know, as, as time progresses, some of them may drift off and find better ways and, and better spectrum that they want to use. But in the meantime, there is no problem living in harmony with Very these guys. Mm -hmm. But, but if I understand, if I understand what you've said correctly, Paul, um, for for in-home use, which obviously is not what your your members are interested in doing, but for in-home use, for for your typical Wi-Fi hotspot, um, there's no there's no worry about interference at all with any of these other no, applications. No, as, as I said, there's there, mm. there's two there's two segments in that thing. One they they've classified as um, very low power which is um, very similar outputs and things to your normal Wi-Fi routers that you would have in home and business, and even yeah. um, access points on, on systems and buildings. Mm. They are low power. You have to be in close proximity, like in conventional Wi-Fi, and the atten building attenuation, brick walls, and when it contains it, so it's not a threat to anything outside. Mm. When you move into standard power outside for fixed wireless broadband and, you know, bigger commercial public Wi-Fi hotspots, um, the situation changes and that's when we have to start using the AFC in standard power. Hmm? Okay, understood. The, understood. So, so, so if, 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 what, what are we going to see in terms of Wi-Fi development? With Wi-Fi 6E, um, are we going to see uh, routers coming out from manufacturers say later this year or next year or the year after, that support the uh, the bands that we used to at 2.4 and 5.8, and then will additionally offer uh, 6 gigahertz frequencies as well. Is that going to happen in commercial home routers going forward? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, are we going to expect yeah. to see it later in the year? Um, absolutely not. Um, the reason I say that we've said okay. it's happened already. Years out then. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, certain mm -hmm. phones the top of their own iPhones and Galaxies already have, I mean, most of the top end smartphones have Wi-Fi right. 6, which is the 802.11ax protocol, but they also now have Wi-Fi 6E to be able to reach into that band. The first routers are, um, the chipsets are available, they're coming into the market. Uh, Qualcomm, um, while we're busy playing with Wi-Fi 6, they've already developed the Wi-Fi 7 chipset <laughs> so we're wow. we are moving at a, a rate of knots um and i think that wi-fi 6e which is the big chunk of spectrum and then followed by the integration of uh wi-fi 7 um mm. we're looking at something in the 320 megahertz channels we're looking at speeds of you know theoretical 33 gigahertz download 33 gig i mean where wi-fi 6 is only sort of 9.6 theoretical you'll never get that in the real world but it's yeah. a quantum leap of where we're going and is that because, because the technology these, itself is better or is because it's yes. using a lot more bandwidth 
It's the technology, and it really boils down to the, the chipsets and what they're capable of doing. Um, but of course, it's, it's great talking about Wi-Fi 7, yeah? And, you know, we can double the, you know, the channels and then bond them together. But they're 360 megahertz wide. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so with current things, Wi-Fi 7 will be pretty useless to us. We just haven't got the capacity. So we need that 6C, that 1.2 gigs, to take these channels, even bond them in you know, massive MIMO format, and then we can create these services. Without it, one cannot really advance without the other. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. the two things have to move forward in harmony. And if we can build those networks, it has a huge, not just for my wisps and other people and faster Wi-Fi in the home, and you know the home and business fibers are getting faster and faster, so they need faster Wi-Fi on the end of it. I mean, that's what's happened. The potential um, with speeds like this and bandwidth like that for cellular offload. So the cellular companies can actually offload onto big Wi-Fi hotspots. So that will also compensate under the rolling out of 5G. They won't mm -hmm. actually be using 5G um, from the phone to the tower. It will be using Wi-Fi into hotspot, into core fiber, into their network. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The reason that Wi-Fi offloading hasn't really been or taken off that well in South Africa up to now is because we haven't been able to build those Wi-Fi giant hotspots with enough quality and speed to actually make it happen. But of course, this is a change in reality of where we can possibly go. And, mm -hmm. you know, if we're, as I say, I think it's not it's not, we're not going to ride a crest of a wave here at the global. I, I think it's more of a tsunami that's happening out there. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure if we have this conversation in a week or two's time, there will be many more countries. It's literally by the week it's happening. Right. Mm -hmm. right. So it's exciting. Um, I'm excited. WAP is excited. We're, we're there. So, so take us through the, what this actually means for your members. Let's say let's talk theoretically let's say casa opens up all of this frequency and says okay provided you don't interfere you may use all of the all of these uh, all of these frequencies between 5925 and, and 6425 and then uh, and then all the way up to 7. Point, what is it 7.1 gigahertz uh, spectrum uh, to provide the services you've been providing historically using uh, 5.8 gigahertz band what is it actually yeah. going to mean for consumers of those wisps what will they be able to get in terms of speed and throughput and okay. pricing etc yeah, um, one of the uh, the biggest problem um, in in the five point eight band is congestion. Mm -hmm. um, there's right. even congestion. I mean, not in the the metros. I mean, some places it's 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 very very bad. There's a lot of interference, and I think we have to remember that what we call into some some somebody's or one wisp's interference is actually another wisp's network. Mm -hmm. Um, that they do interfere <laughs> with each other in the same way. They're both licensed, they're both operating legally, they're both doing that. I mean, as WAPA, we look after many conflicts between WISPs, some of which are licensed, some are road users, some breaking the rules. We actually deal with that. But the situation has been, if the noise floors are high where they're offering services, 
and then another operator sets up at the same time another one. The noise floors get higher and the services to the clients degrade and the guys on the edge of the network or sort of maximum range tend to fall off as their coverage shrinks as the noise comes up. So this is a, there's just not enough space to go around and as of course that no, it inhibits the the wisp to offer packages um, of the higher speeds like you could get you know on fiber mm? because literally there's not enough space out there if we increase the space using wi-fi 6e it's like almost like knocking the wall down of the playground and you can all go and play in the fields next door and have such a sort of, you know, bigger party. Mm -hmm. So the quality of service, it will um, increase dramatically um, for the client. And of course, they can live in, um, they've got more space to play in. Mm -hmm. Now, <clears throat> this is, um, it, it, it's, it's huge for them. The other advantage, all the equipment um, that would be used um, in in the Wi-Fi 6 band these guys would use I mean obviously has to go for type approval um, via Ricasa um, to get its op operational things in that band the good news is for West are they going to forklift their networks at great expense at multi-million rand to put equipment on that are Wi-Fi 6E compatible. And it costs a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And overnight, uh, it can be a problem. The good news is that, uh, depending on the OEM and the brand of equipment, some of the equipment they've got existing on their towers can already go all the way to 6.4 already, as we speak. Some 6.3. So they have equipment okay. already there on their towers and a lot of rogue wisps, um, I'm not going to say none of them are members, but have actually been using that band, those bands illegally because the equipment already goes there. Mm -hmm. So for the, for the wisps, it, it, it's a godsend because it, they don't have to change the equipment. It's just the OEM to get the, um, the license from Mikasa, the approval mm -hmm. certificate, Maybe it's a firmware or software update, and they're off. Mm -hmm. Simple. I, I suppose the big challenge then is actually getting the the Wi-Fi 6E devices, uh, compatible devices in consumers' hands. You've mentioned that they're in, in high-end smartphones today, but I'd imagine your average uh, consumer doesn't have the, uh, the uh, CPE equipment at home uh, that, that is capable of receiving these signals. Would the, would, would the WISP then have to go out and, and forklift no, out the equipment they've got in I, the field? Yeah, we're, we're talking about this here. We've got the, you know, the smart devices and the smart routers that are capable of doing this, okay? Mm -hmm. But we're playing in two different arenas. If you look at a WISP scenario, if you did a point-to-multi-point service, mm -hmm, okay? Mm -hmm. um, and he had multiple clients on that service, there's just not enough 5.8 clean 5.8 gigahertz left for him to offer quality services to all those clients. Mm -hmm. If they open up that band and even the lower band up to 6.4, his equipment yeah. Yeah, will then have space to play. And remember that the fixed point, the point to multi-point service terminates at a CPE in the client's home. Yeah? 
and that is the dedicated link. The client won't know anything about whether it's on 6.4 or 5.8. At that point, the client can retain his existing Wi-Fi routers, phone, Wi-Fi, anything. But he will experience much greater um, uh, performance of the incoming link speed on both up and down link. Mm -hmm. So it's fitting in what we mm -hmm. call the middle mile. The last mile being the Wi-Fi that will eventually get there and then the, the middle mile. Hmm? Understood, understood. Okay, so the, the feed, in a tip, I haven't used a WISP service as previously, so uh, you'd have some sort of a box on the wall that picks up the signal and that's rooted into your into your. Yeah, if you have, a, you have a tower, the same mm -hmm. way as you have a, um, a cell phone tower with sector antennas. Mm -hmm. okay. The difference is the sector antennas on a cell phone tower are extremely high power and they transmit directly to a phone or a, a routing device, like LTE routing yeah. device. In unlicensed 5.8 currently, of the restrictions we have in power, okay, what we have to do, we have the same, pretty much the same setup on the tower with sector antennas, but then we align a radio with a small antenna, small dish antenna, pointing directly at that tower to create a middle mile link mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and from that cpe device picking up the internet from the tower a normal layer 3 wi-fi router would plug in and be exactly the same as any other medium whether it be fiber lte or whatever mm -hmm. it's just understood. really the change of the middle mile as we call it yeah 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 no understood understood thanks for that now um I just want to come back to your cast and, 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 and what they said. Now, they specifically mentioned that in the lower part of the 6 gigahertz band that it's being used uh, for, and they said in their statement, broadband fixed wireless access. I'm not sure who, who that is. Do you have any idea who's providing broadband fixed There's wireless access in that band? The ICASA allocations in those bands is certainly not uh, us who's using it. We're not allowed to. Um, there were some old things within... Um, the big incumbents, Delcom, own what we've found over the years, I mean, there's a lot of it been allocated to certain companies who certainly weren't using it. Mm -hmm. And I think mm -hmm. this has been the pain of, of, of many years that um, while we wanted to create on Spectrum, especially uh, high demand, a use it or use it policy, there was so much um, Spectrum allocated to... Um, Centec and military that's never seen one bit of data transmitted across it, you know, in, in its history, in ever. So mm -hmm. if you look at the ACASA spectrum charts, yes, there are allocations for use, but most of them, a vast proportion, I've got to be careful what I say here, a vast proportion of them are not seeing any traffic um, mm -hmm. of late or for the last few years. Some have never seen traffic at all. Mm -hmm. But again, so, I mean, it's going back to what I said earlier. The the AFC, the coordination, will take care of that. Mm -hmm. But what we would like to do is, you know, work closely together with ICASA and say, look, um, you know, these bands have been allocated for a purpose to, and certainly some to individuals, but we all know they're not being used. So, you know, can we have them back or put them up there or open them for unlicensed? It makes sense. Mm -hmm. Do you think ICASA should do a study that, to determine what these bands are being used for? 
Um, do you think that's necessary? I mean, you, you've, you've spoken about how you can coexist with anything that might be in, in those frequencies, but do you think ICASA would be a responsible regulator to, to perhaps do a, uh, spend some time doing a study of what's in these bands and determining whether there is going to be any potential for interference? I know they did that with, uh, with the TV white spaces, and we went through an extensive period of years where there were trials run, et cetera, et cetera, and uh, a database set up, and there was a lot of um, sort of behind-the-scenes work that it went on. Do you think that, uh, you know, given that um, international markets are opening up this band uh, already to Wi-Fi 6E, do you think that we have the time to uh, do a comprehensive study like that? What's your I, view? I think, I think, Duncan, that's a very valid point. But um, what I'm saying is now, uh, when do we want it? Uh, the answer is um, yesterday. Um, now would be no. just as good. And, yeah, as I say, there are incumbent operators within those bands okay which we can protect them and protect ourselves it works both ways using automatic frequency coordination if as we know in the same bands there's what i would refer to as maybe stagnant bands or stagnant channels yeah in the beginning we would have to use the afc to to protect them even though we know um, there's nothing there but yes, um, I think it would be a time to, you know, it's like cleaning out the cupboards. You know, you'll find a lot of stuff in there that's been sitting there for years that you didn't realise you had. And, oh, I don't know why I'm keeping this. Let's throw it out. Or in the case of, of Spectrum, it would be, oh, um, I don't need this or they don't need this. But yes, we know a lot of people who do. And it goes back into the universal unlicensed pot. Um, that's mm. what I'm, I'm, I'm thinking there. Mm. But so I certainly wouldn't like it to be instigated and become yeah. a hurdle that we would have to wait for that to be done mm. before mm. we can open the band. And there's no need for it to be done. Mm. All it will do if it's done afterwards is just gradually give us more and more, more, and more channels back where there is a high concentration areas of incumbent users. So in your view, ICASA can open this up right now? I, I absolutely see no reason why not. Obviously, it would take them a period of time. Um, they would have to then, um, the process would be that if they proposed the opening, mm, then the OEMs would have to do the, all the lab testing um, to ICASA would have to have their own set of specificators. There's not a global standard on this. Mm -hmm. And then the OEMs on their equipment would have to do the lab testings and then submit to ICASA to get type approved equipment. And effectively then once all that is done, um, and the AFC database is built, which is freely available as we speak. There would have to be a process of um, uploading the incumbent users um, services where they are GPS cords, so the AFC can function. So, are we ready? To, um, mm -hmm. Are we ready to switch on tomorrow? No. Mm -hmm. Are we ready to switch on when those things have been completed? Absolutely, yes. Um, and they shouldn't take that long, okay? Um, what I would love to see is just the commitment. Yes, 
um, everybody else is doing it, it's going to become the global norm and we, we need to get at it and we've got to start those processes off. But they're not complicated mm. processes. The, it is not like the TV white space story that we, you know, we started in Cape Town and Limpopo back in 2012-13 and then the last three years I've been working on the commercial trials with US Trade and Development. Um, CSIR had to build that database from scratch mm -hmm. and that's quite a complicated thing. The Telcom mm -hmm. Infra project with Cisco, Facebook, Broadcom, it already exists and it's open, open platform. So there's really no work to be done mm -hmm. in the development of the AFC system, the, the coordination. So that's, that's a huge advantage of being able to then issue dynamic spectrum, um, unlike TV white space where we had to go through a lot of years waiting for CSIR to get that thing right. Yeah. So there's not really much of a hurdle mm -hmm. on that one. And the type approval, the OEMs will move fast. Um, going now with ICASA currently, um, obviously a lot of equipment going through for type approval all the time. So it shouldn't be, and there's no, there's no horrific delays there. Um, we've come nice, well, not we haven't come out of COVID yet. I mean, there was some issues during COVID-19 um, emergencies anyway, but ICASA seems to be flowing in that area quite, um, quite well um, within time frames, and there shouldn't be any reason to expect it to be any different if it was equipment um, conforming to a 6E spec as opposed to the normal unlicensed mm. 5.8, it just being new equipment. Mm. Mm. No, I said, uh, you know, there's lots of breaths of optimism here. Mm. Um, it's, I, mm. I don't think it's uh, one of those monumental mountains to climb that we've gone through in the past. Mm. And I don't think Understood. it's something that WAPA or, or South Africa has come up with this idea on our own. As I say, it's a global tsunami mm. that's ripping through, you know, half the yeah. world. And it makes it makes sense. It makes economic sense. It makes connectivity sense. Mm. Um, I see no downsides to it whatsoever. Has the ITU through uh, the World Radio Communications conferences actually set down the standards and what it no, expects um, these bands to be used for at this stage? Obviously, I mean, we haven't really done much since WRC 19, which I think was Egypt. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. then, of course, COVID came along and everything's got. So really now they're doing the frameworks for WRC 23. OK, you know, mm. along with basis, a lot of 5G stuff, um, you know, and of course, running from the 3GPP, the third generation partnership program that's writing the standards. And one of those, did, one of the points, I'm going to say we're a point today, one of the points that has put, been put up for discussion within WRC mm -hmm. 23, yeah, 23, is the upper um, 6E band, the 6.425 mm -hmm. to 7125 band, of whether or not they should consider it as IMT spectrum. Okay. So, but as I say, it's and I'm not. Sure the GSMA is lobbying very hard. Yes, there's there's many players, uh, and I say it's not. 
It's not yeah. documented. That it, it's a suggestion that it should be. Mm -hmm. Some people will tell you, oh, no, it, no, 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 you can't have that. That's going to IMT. It's not true. Um, it's not definitely true. Either way, um, it's still somewhat up in the air. There is, and my question is, do they really need that spectrum? Um, you know, after the, the high demand spectrum auctions, I mean, they only went as high as 3.5 um, gigahertz. You know, then 2.6, 7 and 800. The 7, 800 was good for rural long range. 3.5 is low enough to still have distance, but high enough to get capacity. So when they want, if you want to start playing in 6 or upper 6, lower 7, it, I don't think it fits that well because it's got very little range. You know, you, you start getting mm. range reductions. Mm -hmm. But you haven't got the full advantage of millimetre band, which, you know, has been used as IMT in the sort of 24 up to 30 gigahertz, which has got no range at all, which is small mm -hmm. cell technology, but this is where you get your multi-gigabit 5G speeds. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But personally, mm -hmm. I don't think that that would work in South Africa. I mean, outside a couple of Santons and areas like that, we're just too spread out for small cell uh, millimeter band technology on 5G to, to work. And also it is the one that has caused all the scary stories about cancers and all that thing. That's the one they're scared of. So it, I don't, going back, I, I, I don't see why it should be of any particular interest. It's sort of, it's in the wrong place for them. It's not high enough mm -hmm. to do proper super fast millimeter and it's not low enough to get what they want i think 3.5 was the sweet spot 3.5 2.6 is that sweet spot mm -hmm. for speed and then the 7 800 mm -hmm. which they got a lot of is then great for rural it's got huge range it's got good building penetration and you can cover areas three four times the size that you could before you know, without building new tower infrastructure. So it's an absolute gift for them. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Do you think, though, ICASA should, should perhaps wait for the outcome of WRC 23 before making a decision on how the upper portion of the 6 gigahertz band should be allocated? Yes, I'm, I think I wouldn't mind. I mean, first prize um, for myself, for WAPA, uh, for the industry sure. would be, oh, yeah, Paul, I mean, why didn't you tell us before it's yours? Yeah, mm -hmm. well, that's not going to happen. I would be perfectly happy if we took the FCC in the in the, the States. I mean, they jumped in on the full band. Mm -hmm. Ofcom in the UK mm -hmm. said, right, we're opening um, the lower half, mm -hmm. but we're not um, we're not saying that the upper half is going to IMT. We're not saying that. We're still looking and making decisions. Mm -hmm. And that would be a very good second prize if it was on the table in South Africa. Mm -hmm. um, although yeah. we would prefer yeah. to have the whole band. I mean, technology is advancing so much now, especially with um, you know VR and augmented reality and all this. They're huge. 8K transmissions. I mean, there's huge bandwidth applications that we just can't mm. do with anything else. Mm. Mm. And mm. it's 
we see everything getting fast. And may, maybe to look at it from a cellular perspective, the, you know, the cellular guys were saying, you know, we just can't do more. I mean, Vodacom and MTN did a sterling job to build those networks on 38 megahertz of spectrum. And yeah. now, you know, they've got 100 megahertz more each. You know, we had to go up 110 and then 100. That's huge. It's like Vodacom could build another three networks out of that. Mm? And I think the same way that they had run out of spectrum and not been able to offer 5Gs and all these global services from this lack of spectrum now opens up. In the same way, in 5.8, we were under, we've been under the same restraints. Mm? We can't offer all these services, we've run out of spectrum, just like the time. So we would do the same thing as like yeah. there. Oh, now we've got it. We can offer a whole suite of much faster, more reliable, more stable services because we need that. Spectrum is the lifeblood of my wisps. It's the lifeblood, the li whether it's licensed or unlicensed, it's the lifeblood of any operator. And um, I think from a government perspective, I think 57 billion dollars is uh, over 10 years a substantial sum of money mm. um, you know it, it would create employment in all areas it would create revenue revenue it's it's a huge step forward um, I'm just hoping we can do a swift well it's con conclusion to to get to this point yeah well, it sounds to me that ICASA needs to be taking this very seriously, that regulators around the world are doing that already, um, and that if South Africa isn't going to be left behind, as uh, has been promised by our new communications minister, that we, will get, we won't be waiting 15 years for the next, um, <laughs> the next spectrum auction, for one thing, uh, that uh, there needs to be uh, this allocation, and we need to start looking at what the rest of the world is doing and getting in step. Uh, with what is happening in, in other markets if we're not going to be left behind. I, so let's hope uh, the communications regulator listens to this podcast, listens to what you've had to say here, Paul, and uh, and that we see some uh, some movement on this front in the not-too-distant future. Great. Paul uh, Paul Colmer is an executive from WAPA, the Wireless Access Providers Association. Paul, thanks so much for talking to Tech Central today. Appreciate your time. Thank you, Duncan. Absolute pleasure.